Hello and welcome to Customer Marketing Catch-Up. Today I am joined by Ari Hoffman, co-host from our community sponsor Influitive, and we are going to be talking to Cassie Sneed about the foolproof process of getting the right case studies for your brand. First though, here is a very quick word about our sponsor Influitive. This podcast is brought to you by Influitive, the world's number one customer marketing and advocacy platform designed to supercharge customer engagement and deliver social proof at scale. From referrals and references to reviews and video testimonials, Influitive does it all. Close more deals all with a customer-first approach through Influitive. Hello, Cassie, and welcome to Customer Marketing Catch-Up. How are you doing today? Hi, Eve. Thank you so much for having me. It is incredible to be here. I'm doing great. Thank you very much. I'm just, I'm very, very honored that I was selected. It's been awesome working with you so far, and I'm excited to talk about case studies today. Yeah, it's really, really awesome to have you here. So uh, where we normally first start these conversations with is with you. So uh, where are you currently at in your career and how did you get here? Absolutely. So currently I am the Senior Manager of Customer Marketing at Reputation. I've been at this organization for about two years and I've absolutely loved it. I got the opportunity to start our customer marketing program from the ground up and I've gotten the uh, opportunity to watch it grow and it's just been fantastic. I've been in the professional space for about a decade now, and I actually started my career within the digital marketing agency landscape, focusing mostly on automotive. So I think anyone who's been in the automotive space can attest to the fact it teaches you to move very fast and grow thick skin very quickly too. Uh, I started off in the customer success segment where I got to work with a wonderful, wonderful clients, got to work with a customer group, which was fantastic. From there, I grew to enablement to help empower my fellow CSMs. And then I grew into program management from an OEM level and now working on program management at a customer marketing level, which I think really explains a lot of how I got here because I focus on the CSM and now I get to kind of help support our CSMs at scale across a larger organization, which has been very, very fun and exciting. I mean, talk about the the building blocks for an amazing customer marketer. You have (laughs) all of the foundational skills Right, to put that together, I mean, that is quite the the bill. You really do understand what it means to put customer first. And that's why you're a BAMI finalist. I get it. <laughs> we were a BAMI finalist. Next year, hopefully next year, fingers crossed, we'll be a BAMI winner. But yes, I, I've always had customer first my entire career. And I know it sounds really cheesy, so anyone listening can totally laugh at me. But I do believe that customers should be at the core of any organization strategy. That's the number one way of how they're going to succeed if you focus on your current customers first. I live that, I breathe that. And so customer marketing, it just, it, it's a good fit for me. I love it here. Yeah. When you use the customers, the the arbiter for all of your conversations at the central, central operating system, then it's not only easier to build out the programs, but it's easier to get that internal buy-in and cross-channel yes. collaboration where everyone kind of focuses on, you know, what is moving the needle. So I totally, totally agree. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's very much... Um customer first and mm-hmm. collaborating with customers not only um to begin and and develop like your work processes but also to expand on them as well um i noticed when i looked at your linkedin that your cover photo currently says feedback um fuels growth which yes, is absolutely fantastic which kind of builds into what we're going to be talking about today which is case studies mm-hmm. so And then more specifically, how do you find the right one that will fit your brand perfectly? So I thought we'd kind of start off a little bit simple and um, and ask, uh, why are case studies important in the first place? 
oh my goodness, I believe case studies are absolutely critical. They are your proof, right? They are your customers proving why your products are successful. I mean, reputation. I give so much credit to our AEs. They are fantastic. They are eloquent. They can build the best relationships. But really where we found so much credibility is when our customers can see success from their cohorts and their colleagues. When they can see that their colleagues understand our product and have seen success and they're using the same language that they use every day, it builds that credibility 100%. So really, when I'm looking at case studies, I'll probably say 90% of the time, yes, demand generation and upsell. It builds that credibility within our customers throughout. But then there is like the 10% of a retention aspect when you can take just a fantastic customer, put a spotlight on them, just elevate all the amazing things that they've done and then give them the extra boost, right? So put them in a PR, put them on your social and just say, look at this amazing person who cares about their reputation. Look what they've done. Look how they've improved their customer. It gives them their own personal brand a boost and their company a boost, which is always a win-win and really helps the renewal aspect too and build that relationship. You know, to add, add a little bit to that, you know, yeah. we all subjectively know how important case studies are, but actually yesterday, um, my CMO, Dan Cody, had Laura Ramos, the VP and senior analyst from Forrester on talking about- wow the merger of customer success and customer marketing, how the two working together actually have, you know, that one plus one equals three kind of equation yeah. in it. She shared some of her research that led to this and in user generated content and what she called CCC customer contributed content mm -hmm. right? and case studies were ranked the highest 66% of B2B buyers in the tech space use case studies when making a buying decision. So it's hugely important. It really still is yeah. relative. In fact, more so than I would have expected myself. So that was oh, a surprise. really? Yeah. I say like, I know I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit here, but just to echo what you're saying, I think probably one of the most affirming aspects of that statement is when we do publish all of our case studies on our site, it is so validating to watch our analytics see the, the growth of just our you know number of page visits, the time on site when it's looking at our case study section is just continuously growing. And I'm sure that's an industry standard as well, but we've also been putting more effort. But to see that number just continuously increase, there's a lot of validation there too. Also, because you're there, let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'm only like tip of the iceberg. I got a full team, full team. Uh, really yeah, helpful. so if, any, if anyone does want to see that session, it'll be hosted free. It's on live. Uh, Laura Ramos, Dan Cody, Forrester. Very cool. Great session. Different session, but let's get back to case studies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. They they are almost yeah the the perfect um, customers like talking to customers and trusting customers because mm -hmm. um, I think they're like the almost a cliche very much a cliche almost at this point is that you know customers trust other customers before yeah. they trust anybody else and case studies yeah. are a perfect example of that exactly um, so uh, moving on from that um, yeah. how would you then go about um, beginning this case study, how would you pinpoint, you know, the perfect customer, so to speak, to conduct an interview to then create one of these case studies? Yep. So when I'm looking at my case study library, I really go by three golden rules. First and foremost, at the core of that is that your case study library should always reflect your current customer landscape. And when I say that, I have it in three, another, another rule of three here, but looking at your industries, right? And so if you have multiple industries that you're working with, understanding the percentage of your customers and where they're lying. So for example, at Reputation, we are very heavy on our automotive and healthcare and property management spaces. We do work with a few other numbers of verticals, but I want to make sure that 
we're working within those three, mostly being represented within our library, but also looking at company sizes too. So if you work with a lot of enterprise, make sure enterprise is well represented. Same with mid-market or SMB. Some companies focus more so on SMB. So make sure you're really highlighting the SMB customer, not just that one lonely enterprise customer that you're really excited you have their logo, but then future prospects can't always relate. So making sure that your future prospects can relate to your current landscape and also product too. So while we love having well-rounded, full product suite case studies, we also want to make sure we have individual products highlighted too. So if you have one aspect of your product that you really want to highlight, making sure that's there, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so focus, so yes, reflecting your current customer landscape, but finding the customers that are passionate and that are excited to talk. So like when you're doing an interview, you want someone who's going to elaborate, who's going to have like, who's going to care, you know, like get someone who's pumped up and excited. Yeah. But then the third that always makes a difference is making sure they are approved to share their logo. I don't think there's anything more disheartening than spending months preparing a wonderful case study just to be like, oh yeah, we have to do this blinded. You're like, no, because like it just takes <laughs> off so much credibility and importance behind that case study. So establishing that right from the get-go, we've learned by fire to get that right away and make sure you have approval to use the logo so that you're set from the beginning. Those are my three golden rules. Those are amazing golden rules. Those are ones that I wish I had at the beginning of my journey. Because, you know, you're stabbing in the dark a lot when you're starting out on it. And you're like, yeah. anything counts. You're like, <laughs> anything. just get a case. If I get a case study, I'm going to win. But if you can show how critically you are thinking about this, so you take these three golden rules that Cassie's just shared, and you can demonstrate that internally, you are going to get a lot more clout and you're going to gain traction a lot faster. You know, um, prioritization, right? Mm -hmm. Those buckets. And I know you're going to get into this in a bit of like, which are the best? How do you focus on that? But really looking at not all, all customers are equal in our minds and how we treat them, but not all case studies are equal in the way that they will help serve our customer base and our prospects, right? Yeah. And so you really, those three golden rules really help you divvy that up in a way to set your library up for long-term success and really value delivery is ultimately most important. So I love, I love, and I just wish I knew this earlier in my career. So I'm glad it helps. For us, it's also helped internally as well, just to let our customer or our internal teams know, hey, we do have a process. We're doing this intentionally. Well, yes, we might've started as stabbing in the dark, but now we're developing this with a full strategy blown. So if I'm tapping you on the shoulder saying, we recognize this customer from their product stats, they're doing really well, help us understand them better. They will, they're more willing to take the time to explain that customer story versus just saying, oh, it's another case study. Like that's a back burner project. They know that we're coming in with intent, with a reason, and they're way more willing to work with us to get that off the ground. Yeah. Look at your, look at your most recent over the last 18 months, look at your deal closes, segment them by industry, and then you can prioritize, then take it back to the sales team yeah. and vet if you don't have that, because some of us might have dirty CRMs, our our data might be not as dirt, might not be as clean <laughs> as we would like, and we don't have all the industry always recognized, so it might be hard to to locate that. So what do yeah. you do there? Well, go to your sales leadership team and to your salespeople and ask them to prioritize, have them vote it, then go back to them and say, hey, this is a team collectively. This is what you voted on. So now we have our prioritization. We know where we're starting. We first want to fill all the big rocks for this bucket. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to do this bucket. Then we're going to do this bucket because this is in order of where we're seeing a deal flow right now. Yeah. That helps when someone comes to you and says, hey, I need a case study on this vertical in this industry for this tech stack that has this role in it. And you're like, how many deals have we sold? I know you're working on one, 
but how many other ones? Because we got to prioritize this. And so it gives you a little breathing room as well. A thousand percent. I cannot agree more with that. <laughs> yeah. So, so in terms of like, yeah, kind of proving the, the value of case studies, I think people understand very much that case studies are important. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like how they can be used, not just externally in terms of like what we spoke about like attracting other customers to your product um but then also um internally as well Mm -hmm. how how would you then you know use those case studies in order to to kind of such a great question yeah so case studies again multitude of uses right Mm -hmm. but internally specifically maybe it's like the my enablement heart but using it for enablement through and through um especially right now in today's culture i think we're all familiar that there's a lot of transition going around, lots of roles being movement. Um, so it's very fluid. So to have these as educational tools for new hires coming in, it's very valuable. Again, they get that dialect that our customers are using. So if they're across different verticals, they can learn. These are the words that our property management team uses. These are the words that automotive uses. Here's healthcare specific terms. And it gets them more into the customer's speech, into their head, so they can better resonate when they're speaking. So hands down enablement for sure. But also like the gold nuggets are is during the interview process with the customers. We'll ask them, you know, what do you love about the product? What are some of your pain points? And they'll uncover, they, especially when you get the customers that love to talk, oh my goodness, just let that calendar invite go on for three hours. Just get all that goodness from them. Cause they might say, Hey, we've had actually these one or two hiccups with the product. You better bet. Like I am literally slacking my product team as they're talking. Be like, um, do you want to jump on this call? Do you want to hear about this? Cause it might be you know, a totally hidden issue that they weren't familiar with, or it might be something that's validating. Yes, we're fixing that. It's on the roadmap and it just adds that extra credibility that they should be working on those things or prioritizing that. But you can get those little product nuggets that either help you improve your own product or make sure your product team's already on it. And that's where the gold mine that people don't always initially think about, that is like spectacular when you can get those moments. That is, that, that is amazing. And I never, so when you said enablement, my initial thought was sales enablement because we always say, get the case study, get it up on the website. And we forget how important it is to enable our salespeople with it so they know where to find it. I know you're going to get to that next, but I never thought about it in the way of onboarding new employees. That's absolutely critical. Could you write, like how, how much quicker can you get into the mindset other than getting on a call with a customer to understand, you know, what are they looking at? Where are their challenges? What are they trying to solve for? And how do they talk about this? Because you're going to be taking quotes directly from them. If you're doing your job right, you will be using their language and not only your own, 100%. right? That's, that's, I love that. That is right. absolutely- like, Think of like learning your customer's KPIs, right? So for our three industries, they are so different. Automotive, yes. Sales, service, that's what they want to look for. But think of healthcare, they want occupancy rates, they want patient satisfaction, property management, again, occupancy rates, they're looking for the return renewals, like they, KPIs are so different among those industries. So if you can't speak that KPI the way they are, you're going to lose that accreditation or, oh my gosh, the credibility with your customers. So you just got to make sure that we're treating that, training them to use the right key terms that they get. Absolutely. Speaking their language, not your own, because- The metrics that matter are the metrics that matter to them, not to yourself. Uh-huh. So how you, metric their, how you measure their success is not how they measure their own success. And so you exactly. need to understand how they measure their own success. Then that actually becomes how you measure their your success as well. Yeah. That's how you're going to get your return engagement. That's how the value delivery happens. And so you, you know. And that's how you put on a case study. <laughs> I love it. 
Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I think you said the last part of the question was externally as well. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, externally as well. So yeah, okay. we spoke yeah a little bit briefly about like, you know, quotes using the customer voice for the customers. But, you know, what are the other like fun little tidbits that you've- Yeah, you've definitely quotes. Um, speaking events. I mean, usually if we can get a really good case study from someone, hands down, like those are our golden people to go talk at a speaking event. First of all, your content's already there. And when we deliver our case studies, we have a full page and we also have a PDF ready to go. So if they are doing a speaking event, get those PDFs printed off and as a handout to physically take to someone. It's just, you know, you got it all in one spot just to be more efficient. So hands down speaking events, those are really easy. Of course, sales opportunities, everyone wants to hand those out. But even website traffic, right? So the more you can build up your case study section on your page, the more organic traffic you're going to see filling in, which is fantastic. And then paid ads too. So we've started using more of our case studies, our quotes, one big stat on there. And we've seen our engagement on those paid ads just exponentially increase compared to just a branding ad. People want to see the ROI. It's a flashy number. It's fun to look at. People are going to engage with those ads much more, much more than just a standard branding ad. I want to throw a question in. Do you ever um, video record during your case study interviews? And then how do, do. You, how do you integrate that into your case studies? Great question. So we do video record more so for internal purposes. So if we want to really show like those direct quotes or if they're talking about the product that I think our whole team needs to hear, we'll use that in that aspect. We definitely record to get the full accurate quotes to make sure we're quoting it appropriately. But we use that more internally. But to carry on, once we get a case study, usually that's like my pool of advocates that I'll use for speaking events. Usually those are recorded. Then I'll use the recording of the actual speaking event on the case study landing page. Oh, I get the that. same story. Yeah, but I get that. You're connecting several dots. You're tying a bigger journey together. You exactly. know, one, one thing I used to do um, back in the day, and, and you could probably even incorporate this, is sometimes I will actually, because of course you want to record it so that you get the transcript, right? It's the easiest mm -hmm. way to document. Uh, especially if it's going over to product marketing team and they want to yes. plug in, but I will have like our product marketer come in for a section of it and interview them during it. They know, you know, ahead of time, Hey, we're going to film a little section. If you're okay with it, not, we'll totally skip it. And then I'll even do a teaser interview with them where it's like, where we cover in summary, this is what the case study holds because, you know, some people, they jump in, if you have a four or five, six page case study, right? That's a lot. So if you do a little teaser video with the customer, that can then be used in promotional material in paid advertising and on the landing page to wreck people into it. And then what we do is in the case study itself, we'll have small segments of that video interview, right? That yeah. like instead of just the text, because it gives it a more modern and human feel to the case study. Love that. That's great. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Love that. <laughs> Again, that collaborative cohort of customer marketers we got here. It's all about supporting and building one another up. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so yeah, on, on that point of um, collaboration, we've spoken a little bit about um, some of the internal teams that you that you talk to and, and that you use for case studies. Um, so what would you say, which teams are the most important? I'm assuming CSMs might be on that list. Oh, they are number about. one on that list, Eve. Yes, you <laughs> hit the nail on the head there. They are number one. And I mean, they have the relationship, right? They mm. know the customer. They're doing their QBR. So they know when the stats look great. But they also know, hey, is this a good time for them right now? Or is their industry just a lot? Do they have a lot of movement going on? Or, hey, this, actually, this is a good time to start that case study. They are going to know all those details that 
you really can't easily put in Salesforce or CRM, you know, those are kind of harder data points to really stick down. So they're the, definitely the front line of saying, Hey, this customer has a great story. It's a great time. And they're super passionate. Let's talk about this person. So yes, they are hands down essential to getting this done. And we at reputation anyway, we keep them involved throughout the entire process. So when I say that they want help us get the buy-in, right? They make sure the customer's excited. They almost help handhold the customer through the process. But then before we even talk to the customer, we do an internal interview and we talk to the CSM and the AEs and give us the full background, everything we can't find in Salesforce, connect the dots for us. Tell us why you nominated them. Tell us what's going well, why we should highlight them. Like why give us the why, like give us like, what is the angle of the story that you want us to get out of this customer? And we do a full internal interview first. That way is out of respect to the customer's time. We have that baseline set. Our content writer is on that call too. So he has a really good idea going in. Any extra questions we want to ask. Our product marketer is usually there. Again, any other questions that they want to ask. We build out that question line. So when we do get the customer on the call, it's just very efficient. It's very effective. And even those initial stats, we'll pull from like those QBR decks that our CSMs and AEs create and just validate them with the customer and try to build upon that from any internal stats they're seeing on their end. Again, those occupancy rates, sales, service metrics to build upon that foundation. I don't mean to interrupt, but I want people to take oh. note of what Cassie just said. Okay. This is so important. If you are writing a case study without the metrics that matter. Don't you're, do you're, it. You're, you're, yeah. Sales can't use it the way you are wanting them to use it. People who are looking at this, if you have it open and public on your website or gated, it doesn't matter. What they're looking for are the metrics, right? Where are the needle movers? And so you need to make sure you have those. Take note of what you said. It is critical. And you don't need the customer to just offer those up. You can find those, do your homework, and then you can bring them up on the call and have them embellish on them if they don't naturally just give give it out. So mm -hmm. great, great point. I mean, absolutely critical. Definitely have to have that too. I mean, luckily at Reputation, there's never a lack of content. We have some very excited CSM, some great customers. That they're always doing the hand raising saying, yes, I have this awesome customer. Like we should totally highlight them. They're so happy. Things are going great. And then usually I kind of have to be that gatekeeper. I have to, this is like the one part of my job I don't like. So I have to say no here. But I'd be like, well, tell me why. Like, why is this customer great? And I'm like, well, they're super happy. I love that. I love happy customers. Let's sign them up for our advocate program. But why for a case study? Like, what has significantly improved? Tell me. And if my CSM is having a hard time pinpointing those exact things, that just tells me I'm going to have an even harder time creating a case study. So it, yeah, the, the data has to be there in order to progress. You know, and this ties back to your library as well, right? Yeah. So not only like even let's say they do have some great metrics, but they're not a typical use case and they don't fall into one of your large buckets that you've already established by industry yeah. and vertical, right? So if they're not into one of those three pillars that Cassie talked about earlier, then you also know, hey, love it, but we're going to have to put that on the side burner till we have more time for that. Right. And just nope. reminding our team too, there's so many other ways to get customers involved outside of case studies. Yes, case studies, I love them to death. And that's what we're talking about today. But if you have a really excited customer, sure, get them into an advocate program, get them, you know, doing some other things like quotes, testimonials that maybe can build up to a case study first. I, I just thought about something. Yeah. When you have those, one of the things I used to do in the past, I haven't thought about this in so long is I would actually, I, I did a coaching course for my CSMs and we had about 65 CSMs on how to record testimonials themselves. So making oh, wow. them tell the CSM and the customer heroes of that story as the partnership. 
And it was really to do what you're talking about here, which was those big ones that we are going to focus on. We didn't have time for anything else, but that made it so we didn't lose out on this valuable content. And we allowed them to turn into their own, you know, MCs of their own journey. Right. Yeah. So that's something fun that you can do. You can coach up your CSMs on how to do these for the ones that you can't handle, that you can't prioritize. Right. And it makes them look like the heroes because it really focuses on the partnership with them and the customer. Yeah. And then incentivize that a little bit. I'm sure you had them rolling in. That's awesome. It doesn't have to be a full case study, but it can be an interview, right? Where they just go through, they record it or they film it. It could be like a mini podcast. And now you just have wonderful content that you can still curate and push out through blogs and different mediums. Totally. Totally. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, um, carrying on from that, um, we've talked a little bit like about how internal teams can use, um, case studies talked about, you know, obviously, you know, CSMs and and other groups can be very hot on the topic for wanting, um, case studies and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the biggest things that I would like to know is, kind of how do you go about kind of managing how are the people how are the teams use those case studies and how do you make sure that they're using them correctly um, yes. so what's the process for that great question so I think it's just establishing making sure they know what we have so making sure they have a very distinct library that they can go to and see so for that I mean, we just went old school right just a good old google sheet matrix where we divided it between industry and product And we filled out a link to every one of our case studies, whether it's a slide, it's a public facing. And we make sure that this is circulated consistently because just like, you know, we were saying like an AE or CSM might come to you saying, Hey, I need this product, this industry. I need this now. You're like, great. Here's the metrics or the matrix. You can find it. It's right here versus someone saying, well, I need this or this or this. Like I can't find it or I don't have it. We need to create something. It's like, actually we do. It's right here. So I was making sure that all that work you're putting in isn't just siloed to the website. It's not just siloed to like a single Slack saying, here it is, making sure it's internally documented so it's easy to find and use is essential or else you're just going to keep running your wheels and make 30 automotive case studies on the same topic that just gets repetitive and dry. It's like, nope, we already have one great one here. This is the one you use. If you need something else, we'll fill on that hole later. But making sure it's internally distributed. I think the Customer Marketing Alliance has a template for story matrixes. I'm not positive, but I think you do. And if you don't, then I'm putting the pressure on you, CMA, to make one. <laughs> for everyone who's listening, what Cassie's talking about is, I will say there is nothing worse than this. This this is worse than going through an entire case study process and then getting to the end and they say, sorry, it comms won't allow it and legal doesn't pass it. This is actually worse because you go through all of that you finally get comms to approve it. You finally get legal. And then it goes and lives in what we call a content graveyard. You yep. build all the stuff up and sales doesn't know where to find it. And nobody knows you even made it. So it's not even helping your own track record. And it, it goes out and it just sits in a content graveyard where it dies, right? It lives in the in the in-between land of it nowhere. It makes my heart so sad. <laughs> and, 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 and all of us have been there. I've yep. built out all these wonders and nobody's using them. And they're like, and, and the worst, the worst is when an AE reaches out and says, hey, can we get a case study built on X? And you're like, Ugh. <laughs> um, I, uh, I literally just spent the last six months of my life getting this pushed through. I shared it on your call. I shared it. Right. But that, yep. remember points in time, if you share it on a call or in a training, there's new AEs coming in all the time. All the time. They all have. It's not because they're being malicious or they don't remember things. 
think about how busy they are in their day to day. How many things that you don't remember that they're telling you, right? We all have our own priorities. And so they're just trying to get by. Sales have it really, really hard. Every day is a question mark for them, right? Yeah. They don't know who's going to pick up the call. They don't know who's going to respond, who's going to ghost, who's going to continue. It's hard. And so what you need to do is make it overwhelmingly clear where to find it again and again and again. Exactly. And teach them. So if they ask you, hey, do you have a link? It's great to share a link. But it's even better to share the link to where they can find it and how they can find it. So you keep reiterating that muscle memory. Make little video tutorials. Just it's so, super simple. Record yourself on the screen. Hey, this is where I'm going, guys. This is where you can find it. Blah, blah. And then put it wh whatever your internal messaging is, your Slack channel, pin that to yep. the top of the Slack and say case study resources, right? So now you have the story matrix, but you also have all of the stuff that leads them, that funnels yep. them to that story matrix time and time again. And that will be their, their you know, Bible, their Quran, their Torah. It'll be their central operating system of where they find all their goodness. Exactly. Encourage them. Bookmark it, save it. But even we've gone to the point where on our weekly field enablement call that our whole team jumps on each week, we have a customer corner where we just go over one of our latest customer stories. And I mean, we have a good number of stories, but we'll even start repeating them. Like every year, if we did one six months ago, we'll still talk to it in the future because maybe that AE wasn't here six months ago when we talked about it. They could still get a lot of value. So it's it might be repetitive to us because we live and breathe it every day. But to our field, like maybe they were multitasking the first call you were talking about it. You never know that you said they're very, very busy. So just consistently bringing it up and talking about the resources and talking about how to speak to the story and showing them that repetition is just, it's going to help you. I know it might be seem annoying to the person, but it's so helpful to the whole organization. Could I'm not, not sure if everyone's going to pick this up, but Cassie is an absolute pro. So I want you to, <laughs> here's another nugget, right? That I'm going to point out from what she just said. And she, she talks fast and she's I got, do, so I'm sorry. No, it's good because you're clear as you talk fast. You get a lot, you get a lot out and it's, I'm still able to digest it as you're talking. Not everyone is like that. But so she said she has a customer corner. Did you notice that? So why is that important? She's internally branding as well because adoption isn't just external. You've got to get that internal buy-in. So she's branding her internal programs, the customer corner where you can learn about it, and she's going to share. That really gets that buy-in. It gets that adoption. It gets that kind of like everybody's in this together and it makes it interesting and fun. So remember oh, that. People love it too is when you call out the AE and the CSM on that account and like say how great they are and how helpful they were. <gasps> oh, that call-out factor for CSMs and AEs. It speaks to them and they love it. Just makes everyone happy. Here's another point that you just reminded me of. So not only do you want to call them out and give them shout outs, but just like we use text testimonials externally to get more buy-in on our product, use testimonials internally to get more buy-in on your program. So I will have an AE come in and say, I use this on X account and this is how I used it. And this is what it did for me. Now yeah. you think the other AEs aren't going to pay attention to that? They just had a success and a victory. So you create internal testimonials as well. Love that. Totally full circle right there. I was going to say, it sounds a bit like an inception moment with all the different right? case yeah. studies can keep going on and on. <laughs> but that's the wonderful part about this, about this job and this role, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm just going to actually jump back a little bit because we spoke um, a little while ago about uh, data and metrics and how important they are for case studies. Mm -hmm. So putting a slight hypothetical on this, but what does for you like an ideal set of data look like and where would you get that from for your case studies? 
Beautiful question. I think in an ideal world where everything, if I got all the buy-in on every single person at the company in my dream world, yes, you start with the data that we can find in our platform. So at Reputation, we have our reputation score. We have our reviews, your star ratings, your social metrics. But then to take that, I would... Anytime I can tap on our incredible data science team, those intelligent humans, how I don't understand how their brain works, but it works tremendously. Anytime I can tap on their shoulder and get them to look at, you know, the year over year over year metrics and put together these amazing data stories that really speak for themselves. But then the cherry on top is then when you can tie it to your customers' KPIs and data points. So looking at those occupancy rates, looking at your patient satisfaction scores, looking at uh, for car sales, all the sales, how many of those customers actually return for service and get those repetitive customers? The second you can tie it to that, it's beautiful. And then they most want to speak to your relationship too, where if a customer is willing to give you sales data, holy smokes, like you just became BFFs forever, right? Like they clearly trust you and your brand, but they can tie that sales data to what you're doing and see that correlation. I mean, you can just do a case study that's literally four stats and that's all you need to do. And like one paragraph and you're done. Like if you can do something like that, you are just set. So that's just a dream. That's my dream ideal scenario. Now that happens maybe what, 2% of the time, but you can still piece it up with that puzzle together to share that full story. Yeah. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Um, so I, I, I've kind of thrown this question. It's a bit of a fun one um, Okay. in terms of case studies. So, what are your favorite use cases for oh case goodness. studies? And perhaps maybe you'd like to give us an example of like a time when uh, a case study really, really worked out well for you or, or oh something my goodness. like that. <laughs> um, so let's see. I think, I mean, just in general, I feel like a little bit of a broken record saying, because I mean, like, I was like my digital marketing heart. I'm just like, dang, use that content anywhere you can, like SEO, see those metrics increase, see your analytics, see those visits, visits go up. And that just feels so good. And even now in our industry, especially B2B, there's so many third parties now that focus just on customer stories as like, you know, we see the G2s of the world. We see some other major third parties that talk about your case studies and you have to have presence there or it's not going to work out. So making sure your full, well-rounded digital scope is covered, hands down, that's going to get you good for an SEO standpoint, a digest standpoint, email nurtures, like those such great content for people who are just dipping their toe in to learn about reputation, start sprinkling some of those stories in. Um, I just love the takeaway at live events. So when we do our deliverable for our case study, we have a couple different versions of the story we produce. And that's just because we're trying to think of all the different use cases associated with a story. How can we take this one story and make sure it's effectively used for every avenue? So yes, we'll have our website landing page. That's your SEO. That's getting really good generated um, visits and views online. We have our PDF that our AEs can download, put it into an email in a one-off situation like that. We can also download it and do a beautiful printout for live customer events, handing things out at for automotive. They have the NADA conference coming up next week, making sure we have those printed out at the booth, ready to go. So they see their colleagues that are there, some larger names in automotive saying, oh, I know this person. Okay. Maybe I don't know you, but I know this person. I'm going to take this PDF and go. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And then always, always just educating our new team members. I think it's at the core of who we are. Let them know our customers, let them know who we are, what we're doing. Hands down, a great use case, always. I'll, I'll add two more things to that because those are yeah, yeah. all of the, in the enablement. I'm taking that back. So score one, right? <laughs> but, um, we'll do a one-sheeter. Yeah. So let's say your case is four or five pages long. We'll do a one-sheeter yep. that is strictly geared for sales, for internal use, for talking points when covering a case study. So we'll yes. have a one-sheeter that goes out. 
then we'll actually create a public facing one sheet or sometimes not always depending on the case study and how big it is. And you know, all right, this is one of our biggest best brands out there, right? This mm -hmm. is, this is uh, we, we just scored, you know, the Holy grail of case studies. We will put a little extra effort into that. And so what we'll do is we'll have a one sheeter that goes live on the website. That's public ungated. Mm -hmm. Then it says to have the continued and longer version, which has, you know, sensitive information, you have to fill out this. So it'll actually become okay. a gated form to get to the larger information. And okay. so it drives a lot more of that conversion over yeah. to those people who are actually in more of the buying cycle than just on the discovery cycle. So it really pushes you because, you know, people are at different phases and, and like Forrester and Gartner and everyone, 57% of the buying journey is done before people before you know they're even yeah. interested in your product. So if it's gated, they're, they're, they don't want to fill it out because they don't want you to know they're interested. But if they are interested and they're further down, they are willing to fill that out. Well, that tells you something because now it's a hot lead. It's not just yeah. any lead. It's a hot lead. It's someone that's further down that buying cycle. Totally. And that just um, helped remind me of something else I wanted to mention too. So from the website and the PDF, we'll also create just a slide template of like the high level stats. That way, CSMs, AEs, they can easily just copy that slide, put it into their deck template talk to it and go. Cause I mean, yeah, I mean, we have some beautiful case studies that are three or four pages long. They do not have time to show a three to four page PDF on a call. They don't have that. They can send it as a deliverable afterwards, but that one quick summary slide, make it beautiful. They can speak to it on a call and then send that as a deliverable afterwards. So we also create that for, um, just like you were saying, like a quick talk sheet for your CSMs and AEs, how to speak to it. We make that for them. Just like just literally copy, paste, put it in their deck and present, make it as easy as you can for them. This is an amazing <laughs> podcast, by the way. There's so much gold in this podcast, <laughs> specifically on building out case studies. Well, that was the whole point, right? So, hey, I'm glad to hear that we're doing this. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's a really great, really great topic to go through, isn't it? Um, so, so, well, I'm kind of at my final question, really. Yeah. Um, but now that, now that, say, someone has, you know, got their case studies in they've mm -hmm. done the interview they've gone through all the little loopholes that you've got to go through it's out there uh, and it's being used and things like that um how would you go about maybe updating replacing these case studies because Fantastic. i've heard some like horror stories about people using quotes and stuff from case studies that are three years old and they've no longer got approval yeah. and all these kinds of things it can immediately become a little bit of a kind of minefield having to yes to um that. We learned that lesson a bit of a hard way. We were actually in the process of doing an RFP and this great logo was asking for other stories. So of course, you know, I go through my library. I'm like, here are my go-tos. Like you can't say no to these. Then they came back saying, um, that case study is over two years old. We can't use that. And I'm like, oh, what? Like, I mean, I, I get it. There's definitely validation. Our market is consistently changing. So yes, that's true. I just, I was so taken back. because that was one of my bread and butter case studies. I would just use as like my, like, this is the great one. So I was just thinking, well, shoot. Okay. So we do an annual review. We try to make sure everything's up to date as possible, but it also did give us the tidbit of don't put years necessarily in the case study. You can say it's like a two year, but okay. I know you're laughing at me. You're laughing at me, but it does protect the longevity of your workload. Right. So maybe you can say over a two year period, we saw these stats, but if it's a really good story, I mean, I found even to this day, yes, the technically the date was like, oh yeah, in 2020, they found these things. But this data itself was so good. The story was still true, tried and true to this day. So we did take off some of the years and just put like the time frame we collected the data on there. 
Um, but we just still to this day, we'll, we've been incorporating an annual review where we do go through our whole library and we just make sure is all the branding up to date. Did you go through and have any sort of branding that you need to update? Cause we've done that a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a couple of just triggers that we set from a day to day outside of that annual. So any of our wind wires, if we see a wind wire upsell or renewal come through, that gives us the trigger. Hey, let's go back and make sure this case study is accurate. Are they adding a new product? Amazing. Let's add you know, an extra like version two, like paragraph two, like what happened 2.0. In the very sad instance that someone did churn, we have the policy. We just remove that case study. Even the story might still be good. We we choose to remove it. I'm curious to see what your guys' perspective is on that. Some companies keep. We make the choice to remove it. Um, okay, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I, I've I've definitely had uh, internal battles over this. These are these are sensitive topics. You know, sales wants to keep them forever. Let's be real. Sales doesn't want you to lose a wonderful case study with wonderful stats, and. Yeah. They're like, well, we can explain why they churn. We can't, and it's like, no, you don't want to go into that conversation. Right. If you're ever bringing up the word churn in a prospect call, just stop. Just don't even right. say it. Like, you don't know, like, and what is what what is the best case scenario? Oh, the company went out of business while they were using your software. Why they like? It's just not. You don't want to have to mm-hmm. go down that conversation. And and a prospect doesn't know what they don't know. If it's not there, they'll never ask the question. Um, there's there's that. The other thing is just like what you were, what Cassie was talking about with updating them, doing a version 2.0, you can actually, you know, take the top and say, just like in a review and you go on the website and someone writes update, it's been six weeks and now I have a new, you know, star ranking on it, but yep. you know, P2, uh, trust radius, Gartner appearance sites, all of them after a year of review has been on the waiting goes down, but they allow you uh, that customer to go and update it. And it counts as a brand new review. So you can have your customers come in and update this content, right? You can do a refresh on it where you don't lose everything. And now you're, you're, you're keeping it more relevant, more up to date, but I a hundred percent agree that you should archive, right? Um a churn customer. It shouldn't stay there. No, I mean, unless Even the argument to blind it, I'm so anti, like blinded case studies just do not have the impact that no, a tried and true one does. That's just my perspective. But. No, I, I, I agree. And I think unless it is a uniquely specific, something like far left field that we haven't thought about, archive them, do yourself a favor, archive them. Yeah. You never want to go down the customer, the conversation of a churn customer. And yeah. that's, that's just a simple one. And any salesperson who's actually gone through that will tell you that and will verify that. Absolutely. Clinging on to those stories as well, really do kind of, you miss out the opportunity to then find new ones and find yeah. ones, you know, other customers. That's that... so true. Why would we take our time and effort to blind a case study or try mm-hmm. and like do an update if someone did churn when we could take that and focus on a brand new story that is up to date, that is very current, that someone's really excited to work with us. Could not agree more. That's definitely where the effort <laughs> should be. And and yeah. if and if the case study is a major SEO driver, if you see a lot of traffic going to that, there might be exceptions, right? There might be exceptions <laughs> if it is well, a- Well, I would say create a brand new case study then have a 301 redirect. So still keep that URL and then redirect it to a similar case study with a similar story, similar oh. industry. And then redirect it over. Yeah, I don't know what that would do. It will definitely ding the SEO, but it but it's better than it salvaged not, some of it. Salvages some, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a good point. Really good point, actually. Yeah, cool. So 
I mean, those are all my questions. Ari, did you have any others? Any other burning questions you wanted to ask Cassie before we finish off? Um, I have no other burning questions because Cassie covered the gambit. <laughs> she is good. She is knowledgeable. Yeah, Bammy is, Award on case studies next year. This is gold. <laughs> We're gonna have a Bammy for her next year. So, Cassie, oh my God, thank you so much for for you guys. Thank you. This mind. has been so much fun. Like, what a way to have a Friday, right? This is awesome. Absolutely. Yes, great Same time next week. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Love well. It. Thank you. Thank you so much for sitting down with us, Cassie. All this information is absolutely 100% invaluable to our listeners, to me, to us. It's been a fantastic conversation. So thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful to be here. This was amazing. Thank you.